Welcome and thank you for listening to this message from Legacy Church New Braunfels. To connect with us, go to LegacyNB.com. Now enjoy this message from Pastor Jay Miller. Hey God. Man. Oh, it's so good. I love listening to y'all worship. It is such a, it's such a blessing to be a, in a church family that knows how to go to it, go to the presence. Um, I do want to encourage you on the, uh, with the, uh, sound, the Voice of Freedom conference. Um, I understand the topic can be really heavy. It's not going to be heavy. We're going to the third heavens, right? This, this is about how do we, seated with him in heavenly places, enter into it. And so even more so, it's really important, you guys, because what we're looking to do is build momentum into this, whereas you're praying, as you're understanding how to green your prayers, and then when election times come as well, you can practically also talk to our, our uh, civil leaders and say, what are you doing about the human trafficking in our city and our region? Like, we're, we're, we're trying to go both in the heavens, but here on the earth, and so I just really want to encourage you guys to participate in it. Um, uh, we were up on uh, Friday up in, at Bethel Austin with some of our good friends, and uh, also, um, I haven't got a chance to give a Cindy because she's out of town, but Dan McCollum and Bethany Hicks are part of the prophetic company, and uh, October 25th through 27th, uh, they're going to be doing a prophetic trainers, a school of prophetic trainers, um, and this is the, the curriculum that we actually use when it comes to training people, protocols, prophetic ministry. Dano does the best I've ever seen in terms of, of training and protocols of prophetic ministry, and it's a part of that, too. So if you want to participate in that, over here in the information table, we have some of these postcards. And then next week, we'll, we'll have a little bit more of a slide to be able to uh, promote that and really want to encourage you guys to, to do that. Um, also, last week, I just wanted to tell y'all thank you for your, your response to expansion. We were really blessed talking about expanding the building, the people that turned in some commitment and pledge cards on that. And it, it really blessed my heart when I saw the response and what's going on. I want to encourage you, if you've not yet uh, either gone online, you can go to LegacyMB.com forward slash expansion and, uh, and put what the pledge, like over the next one, two, three years, what's the Lord calling you to participate and partner with us in terms of raising the funds to be able to fully fund that building over there. Uh, I want to encourage you to be able to, to go ahead and do that. But also in there, it'll let, let you watch that video, the vision video that we, we sent out last week. And, uh, and we're going to continue to build this momentum because we're in a, a six-month season of quickening. And I believe that in six months, we're going to be able to break ground. Okay? That's a statement both by faith and expectation because the Lord is quickening us. Uh, I, there's multiple times I went back to the Lord and said, you know what you're calling us to build is pretty stinking big. And he goes, yeah, I know that. That's why it requires faith, right? This is why it requires your participation. And, and, he's, and the Lord told me, he says, do you really believe what you preach every single week? <laughs> Nothing like the politically correct God to get into your face and go, do you really believe it? I'm like, yes, I really believe it. He said, then believe with me, right? Doesn't matter, 8 million, 20 million, 50 million, the Lord is going to provide it. But there's this invitation, though. Let me hear me on this. There's something about the local body saying, I'm all in, and again, like the boy that brought his two fish and five loaves, and, and in the hands of Jesus, it multiplied to feed 15 to 20 to 25,000 people. I want you to think about that. What we're building is going to feed. It's going to set free. It's going to train and equip not 15, not 20, not 25,000 people, but millions of people. Because in our region, that's the impact that we have, and we're going to send them around the world. Amen. And so make sure you go ahead and participate in that. Now, if you have your Bibles with you, I want you to turn to three passages of Scripture. Three passages. The first one is this, 
Psalms 103. Psalm 103, put a marker there. I'll let you get to that. Psalm 103. And then Exodus 33. You're going to notice there's threes in all of these. Psalms 103, Exodus 33, put markers there. And then flip forward to Proverbs chapter 3. Proverbs chapter 3. Psalms 103, Exodus 33, Proverbs chapter 3. Keep it open at Proverbs chapter 3. I want you to just pray with me as we, we read the Lord's Word. Father, we just thank You for Your goodness. And we thank You that it's Your Spirit that illuminates what You've written, what You've said. And so we just open our hearts and our minds, not just to receive the written Word of God, but to receive you who will actually make it the written Word of God on our hearts. A timely word, a word that's alive and active, a word that expands us, a Lord that corrects us, a Lord that grows us into the fullness of what you have, Lord. And I just pray right now that, that as we read your Word, that we would prosper in wisdom. We would prosper in wisdom just like Jesus prospered in wisdom. What's funny is we say that Solomon was the wisest person ever, but Solomon's wisdom pales to the one who has the mind of Christ. <laughs> so Lord, we have the mind of Christ. We receive your word today. We receive your spirit. Have your way. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. So the title of today's message is Prosper in Wisdom. Let me hear you say Prosper in Wisdom. We've been in the series called Prosper in All Things Like Jesus. And, and wisdom, if, if you read through the book of Proverbs, lays out a fantastic understanding. It personifies wisdom. It, it gives us these metaphors. It gives us these similes that we can really look to and say wisdom is like this. So, because wisdom is meant to be relational. Wisdom is not a standard creed that you relate to like words on a board. Wisdom is a person itself that you're called to actually be in relationship with. And, and Proverbs, as it lays it out, you have to understand, it was the Holy Spirit that was opening up Solomon's eyes to be able to really see what was possible in Christ. That what, what, walls, what Solomon was tapping into was a wisdom that was reserved for those who were born again, filled with the Holy Spirit, and operating with the mind of Christ. He, he, in an old covenant, before Jesus came, there was something about his, his relationship with the Lord. Remember what he asked him for. Lord, give me wisdom. Give me this understanding to lead this great people of you of yours. And the Lord says, because you didn't ask for wealth, you didn't ask for the, the life of your enemy, you didn't ask for all these other things that other people would have asked for, you're actually tapping into the heart of a born-again believer that looks like my son, that doesn't want, doesn't want uh, vengeance, that doesn't want somebody else to pay. It, it, it's somebody who actually walks in wisdom that cares for the people that they're in relationship with. And so I just want to tell you as we're looking at this, Yes, Solomon was the, the wisest person to ever live. Let me tell you what, it still pales in comparison to you if you're born again today. Now, somebody might say, well, pastor, how is that possible? Because it says in, when, in the Old Testament, it says he was the wisest ever. Well, Jesus said, look at John the Baptist, and John says, John, Jesus said, John's the greatest of the, all the Old Testament prophets. 
There's been no one like John the Baptist, and yet the least in the kingdom of heaven is greater than John. What that's telling me is John the Baptist is even greater than Solomon. And you, who are in the kingdom of heaven because you've been born again, actually are greater than both of those if you learn to prosper in wisdom. See, not every promise in the Scripture is actually an absolute promise. We were just with Dano on Friday, and, and he was just reiterating this with us. We we're talking about prophetic processing and how do you process prophetic words. And he said, here's the, here's the mistake that a lot of Christians make is they'll say, well, all the promises of God in the Bible are absolute. And the reality is, no, it's not. Every promise where God says, this is who I am and this is what I do, that's an absolute but when you get to the promises to say this, if you will, like let's just talk about salvation for a moment. Can we all agree that Jesus paid for everybody's sins? But can we also agree not everybody gets born again? It's, there's some people go to hell. Why is that? Because it's a conditional promise. If you call upon the name of the Lord and believe in your heart that God raised Christ from the dead, you will be saved. It's a conditional promise promise. If you don't say Jesus is Lord and you don't believe that he raised from the grid, you can't actually access salvation. The challenge is, is when the church operates in a mindset that's less than that, and we actually undo the salvation of Jesus because we don't actually believe Jesus' blood is enough for all of eternity for us. And we begin to think with a mindset that's not wise. And we'll actually regress because we're not tapping into No. I, I've, I stepped onto the conditional promise of God, if I, well, I did. How about you? If you're born again, say I am. Then that means you stood on that promise. I, I'm, I'm grabbing a hold of God's offer. Now I'm born again. But here's the key. How are you living today saved? You live by the same grace you were born by, born again by, right? Day by day obedience, comes with that same thing. I've been bought by the blood of Jesus, so today I'm no longer a sinner who is saved by grace. I'm now a saint. I have to break this agreement that says, well, I'm a sinner that's saved by grace that's still a sinner. Then you weren't born again. Come on. I'm sorry. That's the Scriptures. How biblical you want to be. Hear me on this thing. What you can do is you can operate with an unkingdom mindset that will take you and give you the fruit of not being saved in the course of your everyday life. Now, now I'm going to backtrack on something I just said. I do believe it's possible for somebody to say, I accepted Jesus Christ as my Lord and Savior, and, and they wrestle, and they're fully born again. If they died now, they would go to heaven. And then still wrestle with an orphan mindset that would say, but I'm still a sinner. What I'm trying to get us into, let's step fully into the gospel of salvation. Enter fully in. Here's what happens a lot of times when we give the gospel. People kind of sneak in. I'm right on this line. Here's my old life and here I'm going like this. And what am I going to do? I'm like, dude, just get in. But you have to transform your mindset. You will never prosper in wisdom if you don't prosper like Jesus did in his mindset. He fully knew who he was, and he's calling you to fully know who you are. But how do we do acknowledging that God is who he says he is? And if he is who he says he is, what does he say about you? And are you willing to agree with him? Are you willing to trust 
That Jesus' blood was not just enough to get you born again. Jesus' blood is enough to make you thrive in all things. In your mind, your will, in your emotions, in your relationships, in your finances. Like when you go out there and it's dark out there and you're like, this is a place I can thrive because I'm the light of the world. I've shown up and now there's an opportunity for a thriving life to enter into the equation. Why? Because Jesus is in me. I'm, t- I'm tired of watching... <laughs> Back it up. <laughs> we have to really become who Jesus made us to be. Right? So listen to this. I want to show you, if you're struggling with this, how do you trust and acknowledge His ways? Let's look at Proverbs chapter 3, verse 5 through 6. And I want you to really pick up on what's said in this verse. It says, trust in the Lord with all your heart and do not lean on your own understanding. In all, let me hear you say all. In all your ways, acknowledge Him and He will make your paths straight. Trust. Trust. It's time for us to deal with disappointment with God because you'll never trust someone you're disappointed in. Is that true? Okay. So we have to look deep in there. Lord, is there any area in my life where you didn't show up the way I thought you should have showed up or you didn't show up in the timing that I thought you should have showed up? Uh, it didn't go in there. And there's a level of disappointment. And, and here's the thing. It's very subtle. I mean, the obvious disappointment is like, yeah, God, he just, he just messed me over. That's not what I'm talking about. We can deal with those because they're very blatant. What I'm talking is is when we give a religious answer to God's always good. God is good. And all the time? What if you don't feel like he is all the time? But you've been conditioned to say God's good all the time, all the time, God is good. And your heart doesn't agree with what's coming out of your mouth. Let's just be real. The first step to coming into prospering in wisdom is you actually have to deal with disappointment Put it in its proper place, which is on the cross with Jesus. Right? It was, if he was tempted, in every way we're tempted, was Jesus tempted with disappointment? Yes, Father, if this cup could pass, that'd be really great. He's sweating blood. In that moment, he's, he's dealing with a level of disappointment. Judas, knowing that Judas is going to betray him, I guarantee in his heart, there's a layer of disappointment that's in that place. Peter, knowing Peter is going to deny him. And after all the things that Jesus had done with Peter, there was a layer of disappointment. I'm not saying he embraced it. What I'm saying, he was tempted with it. And in that place when he was tempted to be disappointed, he said, no, 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 your will, not my will. I'm not going to set my trust upon the failures of humanity or the temptations of the devil. I'm going to set my trust on the one who never changes. The one who's the same yesterday, today, and forevermore. His name is true. His name is faithful. His his name is powerful. This is who he is. You can expect that when God shows up, he's always going to be trustworthy. He's always going to be faithful. He just might not do it the way you think he's supposed to do it. 
And he happens to carry a title that neither you or I actually do, which is King of Kings. He gets to do what he wants to do. I wasn't going to go towards disappointment this morning. I'll be real honest with you. But I just felt like the Lord says, if you don't tackle this, everything else you're going to teach is actually going to fall on deaf ears. So hear this right now. Trust in the Lord. How? With all your heart. What's the heart? Your mind, your will, your emotions, your entire being, all your strength, how you think. Don't trust in Him partially. Trust in Him fully, completely. And it's going to look foolish to the world. There's going to be a world. And I'll just give you a good example. Today's the one-year anniversary of my father passing. And I'm telling you, when I came in and I preached about, like, I'm, I'm excited. I see what God's doing. I just, like, I know He's good. I had some people ask me, how is that possible? I said, because Jesus, it's going to look foolish to people who are perishing. And it's okay. But if you don't ever step on confident hope, the perishing will never come into redemption. Do you hear what I'm saying? So it's time to deal with disappointment. So I want you to close your eyes. And I want you to ask the Holy Spirit, Holy Spirit, will you reveal any area of disappointment that I have not dealt with? We're not going to drag this thing out, okay? I just want you to know, if you hear something, deal with it. Repent in the moment. Holy Spirit, I surrender that to you. I repent for having more faith in my disappointment than I had faith in your ability to fulfill all things to work all things out for good according to your purpose. If you didn't hear anything, it's okay. Rejoice in the fact that says, I have no disappointment in you. Now, make the testimony of your heart. Lord, today. Out loud, guys, come on. Lord, today. I trust you with all my heart, with my mind, my thoughts, my memories, with my emotions. The good ones and the ones that don't feel so good. I trust you with them. I trust you with my will. Not my will. But your will be done. I give you my total being. Right now in Jesus' name. Look, all right, look at me now. The same grace that saved you is the same grace that's going to allow you to walk that out. God is faithful. He's faithful. If you turn towards Him, He's faithful to send His Spirit right there to empower you, to give you a grace to walk in this. But your part is this. My, I trust in you with all my heart, my mind, my will, my emotions, everything that's in me. And I'm no longer going to lean on my own understanding of things. If you've got an understanding, throw it out the window. I just want you to be like, take it, throw it out the window. Okay? It's like, times. That what's keeping you from going the, to the greater things is that you've actually camped out and made an uh, 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 altar at a certain level of understanding of God and said this is the, the highest it ever goes. It's the wrong tree. It's the knowledge of good and evil. God is good, and we make altars at his goodness instead of the altars of his life that brings goodness. Do you hear what I'm saying? So look at this. Trust in the Lord with all your heart, your mind, your will, and your emotions, your total being. Do not lean on your own understanding. You have to be intentional with this. Look at the next one. 
in all your ways. Let me say all my ways. When you're talking about this word ways, this is the way you process life. This is the way that you go about life. This is the neuro pathways inside of your brain. This is the way it train up a child in the way they should go. When they're older, they won't depart with it. Well, how many people realize that works for a lot of different areas? If you train up a child in violence when they're older, it'll be hard to break them of violence. If you train up a child in abuse later on, it's hard to actually get them healed from abuse naturally. Supernaturally, God does all kinds of things. But hear me on this thing. So you develop these pathways in your brain, ways of thinking. And what it's saying is this. I don't want you to go, just the way you've thought about God, all my ways, everything inside of my brain, is there a way in my brain that's actually been trained by the world? What I need to do is, in that way, I'm going to acknowledge Him. This word for acknowledge is the Hebrew word for yada. Let me hear you say yada. If you've been here any period of time, you know yada and gnosis are one of my, two of my favorite words. Yada is the Hebrew word for to know. Uh, gnosis is the, uh, is the Greek word for to know. What it means is this. Experientially, be in a relationship and feel and know, be in an ongoing experience with the one that you're in relationship with. I don't just know about Kelly I don't just have some facts and figures about her. I intimately know her. I know her heart. I know what she thinks. I can look across the room. We've been married for a lot of years now, and I can go, ooh, I know exactly what she's thinking right now. Why? Because I know her ways, and she knows my ways. We become one. That's what this is talking about. Look at this. In all your ways, yada God. Intimately bring your experiences into an encounter with God that transforms your experiences to match his experience. Do you hear what I'm saying? I see the wheels going, okay? Hear me on this. Moses wrote the majority of the Pentateuch, meaning the Genesis, Exodus, Leviticus, Numbers. We understood that he received by revelation the majority of that. It wasn't Abraham writing this down. This was the Holy Spirit telling Moses, here's the book. How did he know this? In Exodus chapter 33, he has this encounter. In fact, go ahead and flip over to that real quick. Exodus chapter 33. We're going to come back over to the Proverbs and again in a second. Exodus 33, 13. I want to connect some dots for you. Now then, if I have found favor in your sight in any way, please let me know your ways so that I may know you, yada, it's the same word, that I might yada you, in order that I might find favor in your sight, consider to this nation as your people. Remember, Moses was dealing with an old covenant, which was this. There's a sacrifice for sin that's necessary in order to find favor. There is religious performance, right? Now, we live on this side of the cross where Jesus actually performed what was necessary so we can have by relationship without performing. Does that make sense? But, but listen to the heart of Moses. Lord, I want to know you. If I found favor, you say you know my name. If I found favor with you, then teach me your ways. Let me know all about who you are. Moses entered into this equation to understand how the mind of God actually operated. And what I would propose to you is in that process is when the Holy Spirit downloaded to him Genesis all the way up. He began to know how God showed up. 
in, in Exodus, I mean in Genesis chapter 1, when the earth was void and the Spirit of God was hovering over, and he began to get the Genesis account. Why? Because God was saying, I'm not just going to show your, you my ways for this moment. I'm going to show you past, present, and future. I'm going to begin to give you a relationship so you understand how I create, how I love, how I judge, how I think. It's this invitation to change the neuropathways that you have in your brain to match up with the neuropathways of the mind of Christ. Hear what I'm saying? Rewires your brain. Neuroplasticity is a real thing. It works in the secular arena. But I'm telling you, if you begin to renew your mind according to the wisdom of who he is, it will actually rewire your neuropathways. Now go back over to Proverbs chapter 3. In all your ways, yada me, and I will make your path straight, established like the mind of Christ. Know intimately through experience the ways of the Father, then your ways will become like Him. 1 Corinthians chapter 2, verse 16. For who has known the mind of the Lord that He could instruct Him? Listen to this. It's a big but, but it's a but. But we have the mind of Christ. If you're born again, say I am. Before you were born again, you did not have the capacity to actually know the mind of God. But when you became born again, brand new DNA, the Spirit of God, the same Spirit that rose Jesus from the grave, the same Spirit that hovered over the waters in creation, it's the same Spirit that lives inside of you, and it says this, but you have the mind of Christ. If you've ever gotten to a problem or situation, a subject in school, and you're like, this is, this is pretty difficult. What if you begin to access the mind of Christ? What if you said by faith, Lord, this is difficult for my human mind. I'm not going to lean on my own human understanding. Can I access your ways that actually access the way this was written? Do you understand that God designed physics? He set the laws of physics into motion. He could actually train you like this. I'm telling you is how do you prosper in wisdom? How do you begin to step into it? You begin to get into this place in all of my ways, the way I think, the way I feel, the way I live, I yada him. I come into an intimate, experiential relationship with him. How do you do that? Read the word of God. Don't read the word of God just as a history book. It does lots of history. Read it to know him experientially know him. You want to understand how I actually was born again? I mean, uh, was filled with the Holy Spirit? Because I did not believe any of this was scriptural. There's a longer story on it too, but I, I believe that the, there's a time in my life where I didn't think the, believe in the baptism of the Holy Spirit. You know how I got here? I was reading the scriptures and the Holy Spirit screaming at me, you got to change your mind. You got to change your mind. So I had to take out my magic marker and go, eh, eh. Uh, 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 until I didn't have much of the New Testament left. I mean, I really didn't mark my Bible up, but you get what I'm saying. I had to avoid whole swaths of Scripture in order to, to satisfy a theology that says he still doesn't move that way. It was by reading the Scriptures it began to scream at me, and it changed my neuropathways. It changed the way that I think. It changed the way that I believe. This is the invitation that we're stepping into. How do you do it? With what you just did earlier with worship. There's something about the presence of God that reading a million books will not do, but you get into his presence, and all of a sudden, something miraculous begins to take place. 
You begin to think things you never thought before. You begin to feel things you never felt before. Why? Because you're actually experiencing yada hen hen in that place of experiential relationship. This is why worship is so important. This is why worship is not the appetizer for the word. You can't separate worship from the word. You can't separate the word from worship. You can't separate it from prayer. You can't separate from any of these things. It's all one thing because it's all one God who's calling you to come into intimate relationship with him. Psalms 103, go ahead and flip over there. We're going to land the ship. Psalms 103. Verse 7. He made known his ways to Moses. Can you guess what Hebrew word known is there? Yada. He yadded Moses. Which means this. Moses like, hey, Show me your ways. God's like, I can do that. I will take you up on your request. And he began to open up the fullness. Uh, uh, later on in Exodus, that's when, when uh, Moses says, show me your glory. And God goes, I'll make all my goodness pass before you. Like he has this crazy God encounter. Right? Because Moses' heart was like, there's more, there's more, there's more, there's more, there's more. And I want to prosper in wisdom. I want to prosper in your ways. And so God made his ways known to Moses, but his deeds he could only show to the sons of Israel. Why is this important? There's a lot of Christians who have heard testimonies of supernatural miracles, signs, and wonders. And they go, yeah, God does that stuff, but they don't know the God who did them. There's so many in Israel. They remember the God who brought them out of Egypt. They saw whenever manna fell from heaven. They actually saw when the rock was split and water came out. They saw when Pharaoh's armies were swallowed up by the waters, and yet they never experienced God because there was something inside of their heart that did not fully trust in who he was. They were willing to be recipients and beneficiaries of the redemption of God coming out of Egypt, but because they thought like orphans, they could never put their trust in him. So therefore, they can never know his ways. Because an orphan who doesn't think that God is actually good but can do some powerful things will never draw themselves into relationship. See, it's conditional. When you think like a son or a daughter, you know I can run into the throne room and I can jump on dad's lap. I know I can. And people are like, oh my gosh, I can't do it. It's not holy. It's like it's set apart. I'm going to do it. They didn't go through the labor and they didn't do this. Oh my God. <laughs> going through the steps of religion didn't get you to Jesus' lap. Jesus becoming flesh like you and paying the price, that got you to the Father's lap. So now by relationship, I get to receive him fully so that what? He can make his ways known to you. Imagine that today. Just, that's what I want to leave you with today as we pray. I just, Holy Spirit, how do you want to reveal your goodness to me today? How do you want to reveal your heart to me, your ways to me, your way of thinking in a way I've never comprehended? Are you willing today to actually lay aside your own understanding? So you could actually have an encounter with his understanding? Because if you're not, you'll never know his ways. You'll only be familiar with his deeds that you can read in the good book. And this will only be the good book. I'm poking at some religious stuff right now. I am. This will only be the good book, and it will never become the book of life to you. 
invitation. So why don't you stand up with me? Y'all okay? All right. I believe it's a good word. I brought my encouragement. You know why? Because I had to go through this myself. I'm not going to teach you something I don't have to actually dive into. I'm going to read this verse one more time that we read during communion, and then we're going to pray. Psalm 7, verse 9, the second part of 7, 9 says, Establish the righteous, for the righteous God puts hearts and minds to the test. That word being kidneys, the kidney processing blood. And so I just want to challenge you today. Hear me on this. Process every experience that you've ever had and make it run through the blood of Jesus. Do you hear what I'm saying? Like, how do I do that? I'm just like, literally, Holy Spirit, this experience that I'm struggling to get over, I want you to say it needs to be run through the blood of Jesus. Because when death came into Egypt and there was blood on the house, the angel of death passed over because it could not get through the blood. And what I'm saying is, is you need to run your negative experiences and you need to keep your regular experience in the blood of Jesus. So let's pray right now. Father, we just come and we thank you. We thank you that there's nothing like your blood. We thank you that you're calling us to prosper in wisdom. It says all wisdom begins with the fear of the Lord. The foundation of wisdom is the fear of the Lord. Well, there's no awe and wonder without trust. So today, Lord God, we lay aside disappointment. We lay aside distrust. And we come into agreement that you're trustworthy in all things. That you're worthy of praise. And now we begin to acknowledge you. We begin to come into an experience in every part of our being, our mind, our will, our emotions, our past, our present, our future. We run it through the blood right now. Holy Spirit, we ask you today like Moses did, but even greater than Moses, Lord, will you show us your ways? That's right where you're at. Where you're at, just begin to ask him, will you show me your ways? This is personal. This is relational. Every child, every teenager, every adult, show us your ways, God, that we might know by experience how you think, how you feel, how you behave, what you desire, and what your will is. So that it can be done in our lives and it can be transferred to the lives of the people around us. So just come right now, Holy Spirit, and have your way. And all God's people said, amen, amen. Shout of praise. Come on, give him praise. Thank you so much for joining us as we seek first after God's kingdom and release it to transform lives and cities. If you would like more information about how to grow in the kingdom or connect with Legacy, go to our website, www.legacynb.com.